0: Yeah. Okay. Somebody says I want to be a pastor. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Like, I'm asking wh- you. <laughs> what, what's the question? <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. Uh, I used to work here a long time ago. Uh, I was the ho- <laughs> I was the co-host along with my great friend Tom Balzamo. I'm Daniel Fox. Uh, unless you. <laughs> We're afraid that we had changed the name of the podcast to uh Tom and some random other guest podcast. Uh I am uh, I'm I'm here, I'm back, and it's still reasoned yes. together and we're still glad that you're uh back for another yes. conversation.
1: And and to clear up any potential confusion, at no point were you <laughs> at no point new... were you unemployed by this podcast.
0: <laughs> that's right. You, uh, that's right. It you, was you've had a doing. pretty
1: pretty hectic uh month or more it seems
0: yes yeah it's uh yeah been interesting and um so yeah it's like you said the longest hiatus i think that uh that i've taken from the podcast since we started probably what over five years ago about five years ago
1: um probably close to five years now yeah yeah
0: yep so um anyway yeah we um we had my, uh, for those who some, many listening, I'm sure, uh, know, uh, of the passing of my sister. And, um, and so she, um, succumbed to cancer, but, uh um, anyway, we uh, were up there a couple times to visit her around her birthday and then mother's day and then, uh, uh, not long after she passed. And so we were back for the funeral and, uh, had the privilege of, um, of, uh, officiating her graveside and, uh, and sharing the gospel there. And just a lot to say in that whole situation. Um, it really was, um, uh, a blessing in some ways. And, and, but what I mean is, and even before she had passed the testimony of her church, uh, of their church, um, was just really something and, uh, and getting to know their pastor and, uh, see his involvement and, uh, and the testimony of that church at large and how they just surrounded them and supported them really was a blessing. And, um, so, um, anyway, that was part of what we were doing and then things mm-hmm. just got pretty crazy around here. And, um, so yeah, it's, uh, good to be back and, uh, good back in the saddle. Good to have you back. Thank you. Thank we, you. Uh, I know that we, you've been busy too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, as as usual though, uh, probably yes. nothing anyone would be interested in hearing. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a busy busy couple of months here too as well. But good to good to be back with you on the podcast. We had a couple of uh, guests in there, um, mm-hmm. Pastor Scott Blair and, and Pastor Scott Vanderhart. Um, really good episodes. If you're listening and you want to go back and catch up um, where we left off, those are those are two good ones to go back and listen to.
0: Um yeah, before no, Pastor- we get too
1: much further though, yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> I want to say a thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason yes, together. Um, thank you for uh, generously giving of your money to support this podcast. We certainly are grateful to you for that. If you're listening and you, you would like to come on board as a supporter and a member of the podcast, you can do that at patreon.com slash Reason Together. Otherwise, continue to enjoy the podcast free of charge, though you will be missing the after show bonus content that is for elite patrons only. Uh, So you can go to patreon.com slash Reason Together, sign up for the elite membership, and you'll get some extra content as well as a few other perks. Um, If you would like to become a patron, one person you could ask is Matt Shields, who is now a new patron of uh, the podcast. So. Welcome, Welcome aboard, aboard Matt. to yes. Matt. Uh, we appreciate you being part of the, uh, part of the machine here. <laughs> part of the
0: team. Thanks so much. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So as we oftentimes have said in the past or have said a number of times, we've got a list here again, and I, and, and it's just a variety of questions. And if you have questions, um, it doesn't have to be a theological question, as you might typically think. It's just a variety of questions, and you're wondering, wow, what, is, you know, what, what does the Christian have to say about that? Is there any scriptural bearing on on this particular issue, or what's the balance? We, we really are seeking balance. And, um, and so we want you to send those in, and maybe it has to do with something that we've talked about. You agree, you disagree, or you see a totally different angle. Uh, we'd love to hear it and that's reason together podcast at gmail.com so just send us your thoughts uh, just quickly type it in there send it off our way reason together podcast at g, uh, gmail.com
1: yeah yeah that would be be great um
0: now the, uh,
1: to, the you have several things on the list here
0: um yeah i needed to troll you a little bit so i uh i put yeah. i i have to put on some that don't say don't peek you know, mm-hmm. but I didn't put them on a few, like I didn't do it a few weeks ago because I do care for you and I didn't want you like go insane. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. It's actually, cause I just thought of those in the last few days, but, um, anyway, yeah, we've got all kinds of questions. You have one that you want to start with?
1: Uh, no, I'm going to let you, uh, just take the reins there and, uh, fire away.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, well, you also, by the way, have a Don't Peek one here that I don't uh, know. <laughs> I do. Oh, yeah, I do.
1: Okay. I see yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So here we go. Uh, I'm going to start off with this one. Um, and 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 I'll preface it by saying I'm not doubting the nature of God. I'm not. And so what I'm asking for here is knowing, and in fact, I just preached on this uh, last night, uh, knowing that. God is good. He's absolutely good. That That is his nature. He couldn't be anything but good. Uh, the concept of good is rooted in God himself. So I, I'm not questioning, like, is God really good? But I'm asking, mm-hmm. how do we verbalize this? Because I, I got to thinking about good, um, and then thinking, I guess, about how in, in Genesis it describes you know what God had created as good as good and finally uh, bringing it to the last day you know or the last part of creation and it says uh that it was very good right and so i'm thinking okay well if something you know when i say god is good you know he is absolutely good but then there's a very good automatically it brings a comparison into mind and saying oh okay very good seems to be like not only good but better than good (laughs) you know what i mean uh so Mm -hmm. are there gradations of good because it kind of seems like when you're talking about god you're good or you're not you know what things are things are qualitatively good or they're not it's not and and so um can can good be described quantitatively like like that's not just good it's Mm -hmm. very good so and if that's the case what explanation can we give that's consistent with God's nature. Like, like, is he good, but not very good? Or is he very good all wrapped into good? You don't understand what I'm saying. If, if his creation was, if his creation was very good, but he is good. Is that somehow minimizing his nature?
1: Yeah. No, I don't think so. So if, if I can maybe try to re verbalize what you have said in my own words.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, that could help.
1: That helps me. Um, Yes. So you're, you're, Correct me if I'm wrong. You're asking, is the does the fact that there are graduations of good in God's estimation, does that make any one of them that is less bad?
0: Okay, that's yeah, kind of. That's um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm, in, I'm inclined to say really? no.
0: Right, right. But uh, does because- it does it mean that the thing that is very good is better than the thing that is good?
1: I would say just based on the simple definition of the phrase or the words, yes, there is such thing as better, um, good and better and best, but they're all still good. You know, there's whoever, who knows how many species of toads there are, but they're still toads, right? Just because one might seem better than another, right. Or look better than another doesn't mean it's not a toad anymore, you know, in the same sense. Um, yeah, I think there can be graduations of goodness, um, in, in the things that God does. But, you know, I suppose there's much deeper philosophical questions one could then follow up with, you know? I mean, if there are different graduations of goodness that God can have, what is the context of, of the thing that's being called good?
0: Yeah, and that's in, the thing. Yeah, whose okay. estimation
1: is it? Is it God's estimation or is it man's estimation of what is good? Right, so,
0: because, yeah, because good can be subjective, but what I, as I was telling the church, you know, obviously this the, the word used in the scripture that we translate good um comes from god so god's the one that determines the mm-hmm. definition of what is objectively good now we can we can say oh man if i won the lottery that'd be good well not really but but you know subjectively we think so but objectively no um so so oh, you said something a minute ago um Oh, about um the gradation of good in God or something. But anyway, I I obviously I know that he's good and I'm not I'm not saying, well, is he actually is his creation better than himself? I know it's kind of a stupid question, but my point is if somebody says if somebody were to bring that up and nobody but some kook like me, I guess, brings that up. But um
1: Well I, I guess part you know, of me is wondering what are the implications of the answer?
0: Yes. And how you how you say it could like dig yourself in a hole really fast. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, why is it important for us to to know the answer to that? What would be the outcome well, if we got that wrong?
0: Well, because, and I, well, I think the biggest the biggest reason is simply that you never want to impugn the character of God, um, right. and I think we ought to be sensitive to that. Uh, f- and so when when we misconstrue God, and I think theological points of view do that um, misconstrue God, whether it's making him, you know, the author of sin or, um, you know, or making him too human, like, you know, making him in our image, um, making him have, you know, I don't know. There's just, we have to be very careful on how we discern, you know, we think, well, I have emotions and I get emotional. So God gets emotional. Okay. Well, does he get emotional the same way I get emotional? Does he have emotions? Yes. But do they, do they, can they ever, it's, so anyway, I just think we have to be real sensitive with the, with the nature of God. But I just was thinking in that gradations, saying, Well, that was very good. And yet I'm here I am, I'm studying the fact that he exists good. Well, how can there be a very good, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Or is it all is it is a perspective thing? Obviously, that very good is a superior thing, and it and and everything God creates. Um, is an expression of himself so it can't be any better than he is and it can't be anything less than good so i understand all that but i'm just wondering between the very good and the good because the words mean something so why would he sure. say that it's good really good you know essentially um huh. interesting
1: <laughs> i guess it couldn't get any better <laughs>
0: <laughs> well really that's true that's true but it seems like when the psalmist says you know basically praise the lord thank him for he is good um maybe it's a different context in the sense that he is just qualitatively good period it's Mm -hmm. not there is no gradation needed he is just absolutely good when we talk about creation as you said it couldn't get any better in all the aspects and details of creation even from a physical perspective he created a paradise um you know, every every way and, and nuance of what he had done was exceptional. It was beyond yeah. you know, it was beyond improvement. Mm. So interesting.
1: Okay. Kind of along so those lines, um yeah. is another question out of Genesis. Um I think okay. it's in one twenty six or one twenty seven. Um, where it refers to man being made in the image of God. Uh-huh. What is that? How would you describe that to someone?
0: good 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 um i would say it's not obviously in your features (laughs) you know what i mean um god is a spirit and we are physical so it doesn't mean that we look like god physically um but there is something about us um that uh is distinct from the animal and uh plant kingdom um uh, in in that we are we are like God in a certain way, and so um, my initial thought would be without without going back and restudying it and giving a deeper answer is uh, that it has something to do with our uh, capacities mentally um, and our abilities, our authority. Um, God has uh, designated to mankind an authority. Um, and of course we overstep that bounds and then we, we take authority that's not delegated to us and we, we decide for ourselves what is right and wrong, but God has given that kind of authority and he's given that sentience, um, if that's a word, uh, to, um, okay. To, uh, people that, you know, to, it, it just seems obvious that, you know, wolves and chickens don't ponder their existence. They, they just act by by nature, by instinct, they live, they do their thing, they die. But we question these broader things. We look for, you know, self-improvement. We, uh, you know, we look to the future and to the past. And so there's, I'd say those couple areas would at least be a start.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. Authority and sentience were kind of where I came down with it as well. (laughs) But it kind of stems to a question that someone recently asked me, Mm -hmm. um, a sort of a bizarre question in a sense. And I'm still wondering mm-hmm. what the implication of it is. Um,
0: mm-hmm. they,
1: they weren't, they were unable <laughs> to answer that for me. I, I asked them, I said, what's the implication of the question? Like, why is it important to get this question? Right.
0: that's an, yeah, that's a good response. Kind of like, why does that make a difference?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I tend to ask that because uh, out of an attempt to avoid foolish and unlearned questions. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Though that's not always the reason, because sometimes I really want to know what's the importance of the question. Other times I'm asking it where I'm kind of trying to reveal that someone's question is kind of stupid.
0: Well, and it's kind of a, a, it's a kind of a different angle on saying, what do you mean by that? Because if they're asking a certain thing and you think that they're asking something and then you say it and it it looks like you're saying something anyway, just if you help to clarify what exactly is the importance of this to you? (laughs)
1: Yeah. That's good. yeah. Well, the question that was asked was, um, regarding the image of God in man. Okay. And, uh, because I had referenced something about man being made in God's image and someone disagreed with me <laughs> and they said, man today is not made in God's image. Adam was made in God's image. And I said, okay, um, the burden of proof is on you to explain to me why that is true. And they took me to 1 Corinthians 15, where it says in verse 47, the first man of the earth, earthy, the second man is the Lord from heaven, referring to mankind being earthy. Um, to, 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 to kind of clear up any confusion, um, overall, it was not a good argument that was being made. But the reason mm-hmm. I'm bringing it up here is because I, I need to verbalize it to someone, and that's that's yeah. Kind of one it of the helps sometimes to just talk each about each other. It, yeah. But my understanding of the context of First Corinthians 15 is that it's overall talking about resurrection and the fact right, that right. these earthy bodies that are made here are corruptible and they cannot pass forward to a place of incorruptibility, okay. which is heaven, right? Um, because this body is earthy. This is not a heavenly body. We're going to need glorified bodies. And that is the subject that Paul is dealing with uh, in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, now Mm -hmm. this I say, this is in verse 50, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit in corruption. But he was trying to make the case that this passage using the word earthy several times Mm -hmm. actually in chapter 15 Mm -hmm. is saying that man is no longer made in God's image. So I attempted to point out that he's making an argument that does not fit with the context of the chapter. Okay. Because the point isn't that man is no longer in God's image. The point is that man has a physical, unglorified body. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And I asked him to define, what do you mean by the image of God? And, and he, he suggested sentience, which is one of the things we talked about, that, that mankind has a body, soul, and spirit. And mm-hmm, we ended mm-hmm. up kind of going in a circle. And I said, okay, so you, so you believe the image of God means that a man has a tripartite being. He has body, soul, and spirit. He said, yes. I said, do you believe mankind today has body, soul, and spirit? He said, yes. I said, so then you believe mankind today has the image of God? And he said, no.
0: No. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You hadn't quite. And I'm
1: like, yeah. I, I said, do you, not see, do you not see the breach there? where the logic is broken. Do you not see that? And uh, and he refused to to concede the point. Um, <clears throat> but uh, what are your thoughts on what the image of God is in reference to him being a tripartite being? Um, I, I think it correlates with the, the idea of sentience, but right. are, do you have any further right. thoughts on that?
0: Well, it, it depends on what we mean by sentience. If it's simply just, uh, yeah, yeah, but talking about being self-aware. Um, mm mm-hmm and uh, and contemplating metaphysical questions, you know, things like that, and, and, and awareness of uh, something beyond us. You know, if, if that's all wrapped into sentience, I think that's a big thing, um, yeah. because how do you explain the ability to question yeah. our own existence and our purpose and meaning of life in general? It just, that's pretty, that, obviously, that level. It's not, it's beyond intelligence, really. So, um, as far as the tripartite being... Body, soul, and spirit. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. Yeah. I just wanted to pitch in that.
1: Well, I I guess what I was trying to add is that based on his own definition of being made in the image of God, which is having a spirit, soul, and body. I said. I said, how many times has even Paul himself referenced those exact words in that order, spirit, soul, and body, as if mankind still has them today? Mm Mm-hmm. I said based on what you're saying mankind is still made in the image of God but he insisted no Adam was made in the image of God we we are not made in the image of God today and I said so what is the implication of that answer and he could not give me a clear implication of the answer um but I took him to 1 Corinthians 11 which is is already go. an mm-hmm. uh interesting passage that deals with uh head coverings for lack right, of a better right. word mm-hmm. me- meaning the hair uh, I believe it's specifically referring to the hair uh, here, um, particularly verse uh, 6. But in verse 7 of First Corinthians 11, it says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for uh, as much as he is the image and glory of God. Right. So referring to man presently as the image and glory of God. But what I'm wondering is what's the connection between this verse the image of God here mm-hmm. and sentience. Cause the verse doesn't seem to be connected with sentience. It seems to be more in line with the authority. The
0: idea. authority. Mm-hmm. But, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to do a deeper. Did, um, did
1: I just answer my own question?
0: I'm not kinda, sure you I kinda,
1: mean. I kind of feel like in talking it out, I just answered the question myself.
0: Um, <laughs> I've been there before. Cause,
1: Cause after it came out of my mouth, I'm like, Oh I get it. It does have to deal with authority and not with sentience.
0: <laughs> Which anyway. the, the authority, uh, and I guess one is sort of wrapped up in the other. If God gives you an authority to make decisions, um, yeah. you know, and to have a responsibility in his design, it requires a sentience. Right. You sure. understand? So so uh, they, the animals weren't necessarily giving that, given that kind of authority, um, uh, yeah. nor and, were and they given commands. And by sentience, if someone
1: doesn't, In case someone doesn't know the word sentient just has the idea of self-awareness or consciousness Um,
0: yes which which takes in a lot uh it's it's more than it's not just a consciousness of uh, i mean i think to some degree a dog a dog is conscious but whether he recognizes and ponders his own consciousness obviously self-awareness yeah self-awareness yes (laughs) cognition There you go. So that's okay. interesting as far as the image I'm I'm just kind of scanning through other uh verses and and sometimes we know that you know certain words can take on certain angles in certain passages yeah. you know what I mean it doesn't mean strictly the same thing in every passage because sure. because something was lost in that you know 2 Corinthians 3:18 says you know but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. So Obviously, there's a, uh, and we would call that a sanctification, you know, a continued transformation, sure. but it doesn't mean that we uh, yeah. entirely lost all uh, image and likeness to God. And maybe they would tie it to, to Ephesians 2 and saying, well, you're dead, your spirit is dead in trespasses and sins. And so, yes, you're tripartite, but that part of you is dead. And, you know what I mean? And once, yeah, but and then once that, it's restored to life.
1: That would make sense. If the image of God referred to our holiness,
0: mm-hmm.
1: our sanctification, that was lost. <laughs> uh, well, I, I guess you could argue that Adam was not holy. He was innocent. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But it, But he was sinless at first. And that is what was Correct. lost. So if the image of God referred to that, well, then, yeah, I could see someone saying we lost that. But yet, I'm not convinced that it has anything to do with one's innocence or sanctification, you know, the idea of being made in the image of God. Mm-hmm, I think it's mm-hmm. a, a, a matter, a state of being that mankind was made in. You're in the image of God, saved or unsaved, you were made in the image of God. You're a sentient being. You were given dominion over the earth, right? Yes, um, right. And, and you're a tripartite being uh spirit soul and body in a similar fashion to which god is triune uh in that he is father son and spirit um a- again not trying to over compare mankind and god but there is some sense in which there is a comparison the image of god implies a comparison um
0: yes and i i think on a very basic um uh, level someone might just see the obvious and say, well, there is a likeness between humanity and God originally in the garden, um, in the, um, the attributes, you know, Mm -hmm. of, of man and God. And so we talk about in theology, we talk about communicable and non-communicable attributes, kind of like a disease, you know, communicable, um, is what part of God can we be like and what can we not? Well, you know, God yeah. is omnipresent. He, you know, all things, we, we live and move and have our being in him, but he doesn't have, you know, live and move and have his being in us um, in, in that same way. So, so there's certain ways that we cannot be like God. However, uh, in the garden, you know, if we say God is kind and just and compassionate and pure and, and, and all those things, well, that was characteristic of man in the beginning. And certainly in rebellion a segment of that was lost, and so when we mm-hmm. say when Jesus is, um, what Colossians says, you know, who is the image of the invisible God, uh, or Colossians three ten have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So, so Jesus is the image to which we are being conformed and transformed as we, uh, as we gaze on his glory, and we're being restored to that manifestation of the attributes of God as we reflect him and we reflect his character. Um, mm-hmm. I would say in some way that's, that's the restoration of that image, which is, uh, okay. which by which we're enabled, you know, by the Holy spirit. So, um, yeah. that I think has a, okay. a part of it too. You might sum that up in holiness, but it may be better said by using more words, <laughs> more descriptions, <laughs> okay. you know?
1: All right. Well, I'm, thank you. I'm happy to, uh, have talked that one out. That helps me. Okay. Um, I think it's uh it's your turn this time here.
0: All right. Well, am I allowed? To, uh, well, yeah. Okay, I am allowed. I was gonna say, I want to rapid fire
1: your... a few. Uh,
0: well, no, I wanted to ask. I, I got one here that I wanted to uh okay. to mention. Uh, right. that was from a patron, uh, one of our listeners. And again, listeners, it's good to be back and be good to be in this conversation again. Thanks for listening, and thanks, patrons, so much for your support. Um, Omar, uh, is commenting on your old paths article. Now this was two or three parts, wasn't it on the blog post?
1: Three parts. Yeah.
0: Three parts. You basically said, what if the old paths aren't old (laughs) or right or are new? Um, and he says this, go ahead. By the
1: way, before you get into the feedback, I I don't mean for this to sound self aggrandizing. I just think it's a curious, uh, fact of SEO or search engine optimization. Yeah. Somehow that title that title in that article got more traffic than anything that's been on our website ever by a hmm. factor of 12. Really? Yeah. And, and like I said, I don't think it's cause you know, Oh, Tom's a great writer. No, I think it's just like the very first article that came out, it had enough. Um, it had enough content in it that, that kind of, uh, Fit the algorithm, so to speak, that it just it took off
0: and wow, good.
1: People started devouring that article. Um, The second two didn't quite. I think people once they figured out what the first one said, they're like, "Oh, (laughs) I don't like this." (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, um, Well, this Omar says this was a great article, Um, and let's see. He says the jointly endorsed letter from the eighteen hundreds at the end of the article just blew me away because it sounds like something someone might have written yesterday. What especially intrigued me in the letter was that in the middle of critiquing common faults like emotionalism and blackballing other Christians, it critiques Finney for, quote, talking too much about opposition, end quote. He says, this is something that I think often gets taken for granted today because it's so ubiquitous in our circles. Many of our pastors and churches love to focus on how many people oppose their viewpoints and if this somehow made their as if this somehow made their viewpoint more correct, <laughs> uh, perhaps on the podcast you could discuss this tendency to focus on the opposition we face. What's your take on that um, uh, uh, highlighting opposition against it? I,
1: I can see I can see two sides of this. Mm-hmm. So I mean, on the one hand, we have scripture that informs us that you know when Jesus said, "If the world." hates you remember that they hated me right. right so there is in some sense an expect an expectation that we will have opposition and the the bible also explains the idea of few there be that find the way right so the idea that that godly christians will be in a minority and in a sense i can see how Promoting the fact that you are opposed on every side and that you are uh, an oppressed minority, so to speak, could in a sense offer some validation and make you feel somewhat heroic because in some circumstances, <clears throat> it might be true. You're legitimately the minority because you hold <laughs> the right scriptural views. Right, right. And the world hates you for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um. However, I think there is sometimes a tendency like Omar is saying for some men who have these you know these massive multi million dollar churches you know in our independent fundamental Baptist circles right where people crowd the place sunday morning Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you know they're they're making money hand over fist and so to speak, and you know they and then they 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 say in some sense that so many oppose them. Um, I, I, I kind of am a little dubious about that in a sense. Um, It it may be the reason that he's trying, that he's maybe trying to garner some sort of following uh, based on a presumed and vocalized heroism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Now, I don't know. I do know what you mean. And I don't know, honestly, of examples of this. Um, and I can't, you know, we don't know the finances of church and, and necessarily how much they're they're making and what their motivation is per se. But some of them um, tell you. Do they? Tell, tell you their some finances? Are,
1: oh, yeah. Some uh, IFB churches are very outspoken about how they do financially and Uh, The various projects they have going on, the how much it costs, and how much they've raised, and all these other things. Yeah, Yeah, some are some rather vocal.
0: I see what you're saying as far as like a project and how much we are, how far we are so far on that project. Yeah. Um. But I could, I but I can envision, uh, people, uh, focusing on how does he say the opposition. My question is not so much whether it is uh, good or right to do, but why are you doing it? Um, like you said, if it's mm-hmm. this, um, if it, if it kind of goes back to the whole ego thing that, uh, you know, we, we have to make, we have to make an opposition, even if there is none, you know, we have to make straw mm-hmm. men and then stomp on them so that we look right. particularly strong. Um, we look, uh, like, uh, we're really out there, you know, doing the work, whatever, um, well, obviously, it, to me, that's not really productive. It, it tends to be shallow, if not deceptive and misleading. Um, but go ahead, you're going to say something, and then I want to kind of give an I, ultra, I was going to say, it,
1: it may, in a sense, be a Churchill speech, you know, a Winston Churchill speech, you know, the idea that, you know, we're not going to sugarcoat this, we're going to go to this battle, many of you are going to die. Many of you are not going to come home. Um, and the opposite effect took place instead of people running for their lives, many enlisted, right? Many, Hmm. many sought the fight because there was a heroism presented to them, an opportunity for glory of being a, an attacked group of being in some sort of battle and so on. Um, So I can see that there is some desire in some cases to, present the hardship of a ministry real or perceived uh, in such a way as to make it a heroic venture that Mm -hmm. would rally people to the cause.
0: Now, I don't, I I don't think this was Omar's um, question, like his angle on the question, but since it kind of goes into, I feel like it does have some bearing on it. When we talk about opposition, uh, obviously, obviously, the scriptural biblical position is in utter opposition to the world. Uh, It's, it's, it's God's wisdom versus man's wisdom. So Mm -hmm. you're going to find a thousand points of disagreement um, and a constant need, obviously to be transforming our minds and seeing from God's perspective, which alters our entire view of life. So to me, I do see the need for uh, expressing opposition. If by that uh, and by that, I mean, Simply being realistic. Um, and I've thought before about doing, I haven't actually done this, um, but I've thought about just doing, whether it's a, a, a two-part series or a few parts or doing some Sunday school classes to try to wake people up to say, this is what our culture is. Um, and, and say, look up the top 10 uh, you know, pop songs or rock songs. Um, look up the top 10 video games. Look up the top 10 movies, look up the top 10 sitcoms and then say, okay, look, uh, these are, and, and then maybe some statistics on how much the average kid plays. Okay. So the average kid is spending six hours a day, either in front of a movie like this or a TV show about, you know, uh, this lesbian and, 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 you know, what was the word I'm looking for? Um, what was Dracula? He was oh, vampire. You know, they kind of had vampire shows yeah. or these mm-hmm. spiritistic shows or, or these, uh, or these basically hyper-realistic um, uh, extended reality combat shows where, or combat video games where you're constantly shooting people and just say, look, for, if you're 70 years old and sitting in the pew, you've had a hard time keeping up with the VCR and you know, or the DVD player, like, Man, how does this thing work? And I want you to understand, when you approach a, ch- when you approach a, a high schooler and you want to talk gospel, this is where they're coming from. This is what's filling their mind. These are the stats on their family structures. This is what they're being exposed to in school. And now, of course, it's even going more haywire with, you know, the transgender issue. And just, but to me, that is in essence an opposition because it's all, this stuff is just, this is what we're going to have to deal with and face. But so that you get a realistic perspective of where are we actually sitting? What do we have to deal with? And because you come from your little Christian bubble and go, hey, do you know if you were to die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? Well, what are, what are you speaking that into? You know what I mean? Here's the thing though.
1: And I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, there is opposition from the world. Everything you've mentioned there is opposition from the world. That is what we are competing with when we try to win the hearts of young people, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, But in some ways, and I don't want to diminish the evil of the world. I think sometimes we get, we get hung up with that as being our opposition while well, meanwhile, Satan is faking the jab, you know, he's, mm. he's, he's making us aware of leftism. He's making us aware of wokeism mm. and mm-hmm. transgenderism and all these other things. And we, we think that's our opposition. That's our opposition. And And to, to, to your point, it is. Meanwhile, the real opposition are the people sitting in the pews who don't like the way you do church. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, do I ever have to deal with leftism or wokeism in the church? No, not really. Do I have to deal with transgender issues in the church? Uh, no, not really. I had I had to deal with one one couple one time that was uh, kind of skewed and came to you know ask hmm. for benevolence and so on, but uh, hmm. had to deal with that. But you know, on a regular basis, do I have to deal with issues in the church that are all of these things that we see in the news headlines every day? No. No, the greatest opposition, at least personally, that, that I've had in the short ministry life that I've lived thus far, uh, often comes from malcontent people uh, who profess to be Christians and simply want to make a church in their own image. Mm-hmm. And when the pastor refuses to do that, they stir up things and cause trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, that, to me, That's seems like I- the right hook.
0: You know, I that's you the right not, hook. Satan's faking the jab.
1: He's throwing the right hook.
0: I, oh, a couple of things. I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. I was like, man, what's, what, you know, you're like, he's faking the jab. What's the other one going to be? What's the other one going to be? As you got closer, it's, ah, oh, he's going to bring out <clears throat> Ephesians chapter six and say, no, our real enemy is, you know, spiritual powers in high places or whatever. And then you're like, people in, no. Pure. oh no, I didn't see that one coming. No, um, Well, I mean, and, think, and by, think about by, it. By, think about it. Satan doesn't fight real, like we do. Mm-hmm.
1: he he doesn't fight like we do uh he's a, he's dishonest he's a usurper and he's a liar the number one way that he fools the people of the world is with false religion and the number one way he fools people in the church is false christians false prophets mm-hmm. false teachers um you know and, and and i'm not again i'm not trying to diminish the immoral things of the world today, they're terribly immoral. Uh, we're, we're, we're living in a horrible age, uh, morally. Um, I don't want to diminish from that and make it sound like I'm okay with any of that. I'm not, but I think oftentimes in church, the things we deal with most that actually would to me be called opposition comes Mm -hmm. from professing Christians.
0: Though you wouldn't say specifically that it's satanically inspired or, or uh, motivated. And, and um, that you're not, you're not well, saying, when you say that is Satan's right hook, it's not that he has a power over it in those personal beings if they're saved people, but more than no, No, they have,
1: they have flesh, but um, with, with some Christians who cave to their flesh as much as they do, um, why do we need Satan? Right. Yeah. Right. Who who needs Satan? (laughs) If you have Christians that cater to their flesh in the church all the time.
0: Right. Um, Right.
1: You know, he, Satan doesn't have to influence those people. Um, The world influences them indirectly and sometimes directly, and they cave to their own flesh. They have everything in them required to be opposition and essentially do Satan's work for him. Like how cool would it be if you (laughs) had an enemy army and you could get their own soldiers to be lazy, incompetent, backwards, and not given to discipline whatsoever. They would fight the battle for you. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's largely where opposition comes from in many ministries. Um, that's my contention anyway, and I'm sticking to it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um so that anyway, um, I guess, I hope we covered his, uh, what was his question there? Perhaps on the podcast, you could discuss this tendency to focus on the opposition we face. And I think we kind of hit that. So, yeah. All right. Thanks so. Omar for the question. Yes. Thank you. Uh, we've honestly only had like, uh, three minutes. Um, okay. just time um, to, you want to shotgun something or we just want to,
1: yeah, I want to shotgun one
0: right here. Okay. let see where we get with it. Okay.
1: Um, this is not a gotcha question. this is not a trick question. this is an honest question where I'm just looking to get what your thoughts would be if someone came to you and said, "I believe I want to be a pastor."
0: what are the significance of the implications? Oh oh wait I, I'm using a, a question that a good friend of mine uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah okay, somebody says I want to be a pastor all right go yeah. ahead like I'm what? asking you what's the question (laughs)
1: what what would you think what would what would be your response how would you feel about that is that honorable is that does that seem like they're you know like is it right for someone
0: well i guess the the desire
1: hint hint
0: right well yeah i mean the initial thought would be good and then it'd be like who are you (laughs) and um and what qualifications do you have you know if this is a an unsaved kid going I like this church thing. I want to be a pastor. You know what I mean? But like let's assume great, it's someone in the church. Great.
1: Let's let's assume for the sake of the conversation that it's someone in church. They they are qualified, right? They I would I would
0: say I would say they're qualified in the sense of being saved. I would say probably good, but inside I would immediately be thinking, okay, now what what do you need qualification-wise? You know, I'm thinking of somebody in my mind that uh, uh might be saved, you know, a young person that might be saved. Um, they seem happy at church, but I'm sure extraordinarily, um, unprepared theologically, you you know, not faithful to one particular church, whatever. So it'd be like, wow, there, there would be, there, there's a lot of foundation that has to be laid here before we talk about ever taking leadership in ministry. So that might be my initial thought is to say, who, um, like, okay, what does this particular person need? But otherwise, so,
1: so you're. The first place your mind goes is basically, are they legitimately qualified? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, what if the same person comes to you and says, "I, I, I desire to be a deacon. I would like to be a deacon. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to venture a guess that your mind and and maybe that of many others does not go the same place. If the same person were to say, "I desire to be a pastor." Mm-hmm. there seems to be well actually go ahead and go ahead and uh give your okay. feelings on it, your thoughts yeah first the
0: feeling on that i guess the underlying feeling is that that's something that's uh that other people see and select you for so but my answer to that uh, if i were thinking fast enough would be wow i'm really glad that you have the desire you know the, the concept of deacon means to serve And the word is even sometimes used in scripture of people that just served in the church. And so if you have a desire to be a deacon, you absolutely can be uh, right now by, you know, visiting the fatherless and widows, Mm -hmm. by serving tables, you know, or whatever it is, by just getting involved and and investing in people right here. Because the best, if you want to call them um, organizational... What's the word I'm looking for? the 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 best deacons that we've had that are uh, as a as an appointment. What what what's the word I'm looking for? Their position. The best the best positional deacons uh, we've had. It seems like were deacons before they were deacons.
1: Right. You know, people saw that office. and they're
0: like, yeah, that that th- those guys, man, they're already they're already doing it. You know. Yeah. Um, and so I would just encourage that person. Hey, that's a heart that wants to serve. I, I I'm going to assume that that's a heart that wants to serve. So hey, get to it. You know. Right.
1: I guess the reason is I think oftentimes people equate the office of deacon with an authoritative position, and and oh. I realize that to some degree it is a position of influence, depending sure. on how the deacons are used. Right. Um, whereas the word means one who serves or a servant, right? But in our in our circles, we kind of balk at the concept of someone coming and saying, "I want to be a deacon," because it almost comes across as I would like to have some preeminence Mm. and yet Mm. someone comes to us and says, I desire to be a pastor, which is arguably a, a more administrative and preeminent office, we might say than deacon. Uh, And yet we don't balk in the same way when someone says that. And if I could maybe sum up where you were going with it, and I think you're onto something there is the difference in how the offices are chosen Um, In that the pastoral office begins often with a desire, at least Mm -hmm. scripturally, that's that's what we're told, right? That it begins with the desire to be a bishop, whereas deacons historically, from Acts chapter seven, were selected, they were appointed, who were already uh, identified as faithful men, uh, you know, full of Mm -hmm. faith and of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm so the the difference in how they're chosen or called we might say seems to be why we balk at that versus when someone says i
0: would like yes yes i would say now though in the end um they're being chosen is still the same uh because when a man says i think i i should be the pastor of this local church well that's the local church's decision to say we see in you the calling and feel that we want you to be our shepherd it's still their decision as much as it's their decision, uh, to, um, select a deacon, you know, I mean, so it's similar in that way though. Yeah. The, the desire to, uh, to, to Bishop, um, is maybe a little bit different uh, and and maybe just in angle or scope of ministry or something like that. Sure. All right. Well, with that, we're going to need to uh, roll over into our, uh, our after show now for our elite patrons. And uh, again, we thank you for listening. If there's anything that we've said or that's just uh, popped up in your mind and you have a question about it, feel free to fire it our way at reason together podcast at gmail.com. Tom.
1: Yes. And and when we go into the after show, there's a question I'm going to ask Daniel
0: here. Okay. Okay. Uh,
1: Should we model our preaching after the preaching of Jesus?
0: Oh, Uh, the answer seems relatively obvious.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It seems I mean, there, there's an important before, reason why I asked this question. Um, but you'll have to sign up as an elite patron to find out what it is.
0: Right. You know? There you go. You said the other one wasn't a trick question, but you didn't preface this one by saying, no, this isn't a trick question. This is a legitimate. <laughs> so hmm.
1: <laughs> I, I no. plead the fifth.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> anyway thank you folks for for joining us on this episode. Um, We do appreciate you coming along. Uh, We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice this is Reason Together.